Welcome to another episode of Love with Elise Peck. I'm your host, Elise, and for season two of this podcast, we're interviewing responsive mamas to hear about their gentle parenting and attachment parenting journeys. Today, I'm speaking with Rachel Staples, and it's a really interesting conversation about the challenges, the highs, the lows, and everything in between of early motherhood, about baby wearing, about surrogacy, and much more. Enjoy. Welcome to the Love with Elise Peck podcast. I'm your host, Elise Peck. I'm a best-selling author, certified mindset coach, psychology student, former lawyer, wife, and mother to two primary school-aged girls. Today, I'm happy to be speaking with Rachel Staples. Rachel is a mother of two boys and a surrogate to a girl. Gentle, she's a gentle attachment parent and a volunteer baby-wearing advocate. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you for having me, Elise. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited to to ask you some questions and to get your insight as someone that is a gentle parent that obviously is passionate enough about baby wearing to want to support other mothers um, to get it right. And uh, and I, I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, someone who does attach and bond to babies, being a surrogate, a parent, um, I imagine has a whole extra sort of um, bubble of information around it. So I would actually love to start with a question. If you could give your pre-motherhood self any advice about motherhood, what what would that be? Um, That would be that no matter how hard you try, your best is always going to be great. Um, Even if you're not doing so good and you're just trying your best, it's still going to be great, you know, as long as your parents, uh, your parents, your children are loved and um, you are present and available and loving towards your children. It doesn't matter. None of the other stuff matters. I love that. So it's sort of like just zero in on your desire to be a good parent and kind of that's all you need is the love and the desire, like the the intent. Is that yeah. what you're saying? And then... Yeah, beautiful. I love that. So it'd be great to to hear a bit about your early motherhood journey. So I'd love to hear a bit about your your you've just become a mum, or maybe even pregnant, wherever it feels important for you to start the story. Um, but basically what that journey into becoming a mum and, and what early motherhood was like for you. Um, so my husband and I had been together for six months when we fell pregnant with our first son. Uh we were primary school sweethearts though, so we had a lot of background together. Um, but starting a relationship and then diving straight into becoming parents was something that we both weren't prepared for. Um, we both came from very authoritarian uh, families and we really wanted to try and break that cycle on both sides. Um, so when we had our son, uh, we were living by ourselves and we didn't have a lot of a village around us and now I can see the importance of it which is why I'm trying to uh, insert myself into a lot of families and try and help them as much as possible Um, and just trying to do all the right things when I didn't realize that you don't have to do all the right things you just have to do whatever feels right to you 
and whatever feels right for your baby because every baby is so different and every parent copes differently and experiences things differently. Um, I got really bad postpartum depression after my first son and I definitely mourned the person that I was before. Uh, but now I just see that she is a, at a different stage. Same person, but just a different stage of life. Mm. Well, I love that. And I, I think, yeah, so much wisdom in there. Um, and it sounds like you, I just think that's the sweetest thing ever that you're primary school sweethearts. It sounds like you and your husband um, were on the same page and had the same intent about what you wanted. And when did you figure out, was it during the pregnancy that you had those discussions about wanting to break the cycle? Or was it after the after your son was born that you, you both realized that you wanted to try and do better than, than the childhoods that you had? Um, because we were the first uh, in our friendship groups to have a baby, uh, we didn't have a lot of peers to look at and uh, learn from. So it was pretty much just whatever we had lived experiences of. Um, so our son was about, I think he got to about nine months old. And then we got to a point where we just went, this just all feels wrong. And we didn't want to do it. I discovered um, attachment parenting through baby wearing um, meetups, which was great. and. I sort of got to chat to other parents who do things, I guess, a bit more uh, gentle and, you know, they all did co-sleeping and extended breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff, which was just absolutely mind-blowing for me. Um, and then once I sort of dived into it a bit more, it just it felt very natural and normal and it just came a lot easier for me to follow those sorts of principles as opposed to, I guess, mainstream parenting. Mm. And what, what was it like in terms of your enjoyment of motherhood? Um, did that change when you, when you came to find more of the gentle parenting, attachment parenting style? Did you start to enjoy motherhood more than before or not really? <laughs> uh, newborn babies are not for me. Um, I struggle a lot with the newborn stage. I, I love it. I think it's great. I will hold anybody's baby, but I do not want another newborn because it was the hardest time with both my boys. It was the hardest time in my life, probably to date. Um, especially when you think about the fact that you've gone from being one person and then you have to take care of this whole other person that has no idea what they're doing and they're just, you know, cruising through and telling you what they need, even though they can't communicate very well. Um, it's, yeah, I, I think that once we sort of found our feet a bit more um, with gentle parenting, it's it's been a lot easier uh, in terms of understanding normal um, age-appropriate behaviours. Yeah, awesome. So it was around nine months um, into your first son's life that you found atta like attachment gentle parenting. Um, and then so you, that did you sort of do that from the start then with your second son? And even with this different approach, it was still really hard. Is Have I understood that right? Correct, yep. 
And so as someone that has found that that is very aware of just how hard, you know, becoming a mummy is and having a newborn is, can you begin to imagine what it would take for that phase of life to be easier for women? What, what do you think is missing that we're finding it so hard? Like, what do you think needs to happen so that women don't have such a hard time in the newborn phase? Um, I think publicly funded doulas would be a really good start. Um, I'm aiming to become a doula eventually. Um, And I think a bit more societal understanding of how much of a load mothers take as well. Like it's hard enough being sleep deprived let alone having to take on a lot of the, I guess, gender normative roles of taking care of the house, taking care of the baby, all of those things that come with, I guess, just being the stay-at-home parent. um, I feel like it's more than a full-time job. And even though the other partner might also be working full-time, they need to sort of step up a little bit. And that's not, society's not at a point where they understand that yet. And it's not really accepted um, for partners to be equal in the household if one parent is the stay-at-home parent. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think um, there needs to be a cultural shift of valuing the work of mothers, um, stay-at-home mothers, stay-at-home parents so much more. It's like I don't feel society is valuing the best development of children and what it requires for someone to give that. Um, but hopefully, you know, like you and I, we have these hard experiences in early motherhood and then it inspires us to try and help others and hopefully as more and more people do that, the awareness is going to grow. I mean, I've seen it grown, it grow in the, the eight years since I first became a parent and hopefully it's heading that direction. But I totally agree that it's, it is kind of frightening when you become a mum and you realise this is so intense and there seems very little acknowledgement of that and just expectations hey you've got a baby bring the baby here do this with the baby there's a lot expected of a mother um instead of gathering around and supporting her um so I think it's really great that that you've you've touched on that um so when did you decide that you would be a stay-at-home mom um my husband was in his final year of his trade certificate and I was uh, I'd had a few jobs, but nothing permanent. And my last job was working in a fast food restaurant. So I didn't want to go back to that. Um, and it just made a bit more sense for us financially. And uh, I guess it was a lot easier to just sort of pay myself to stay at home than it was for us to pay anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Got that. And what have you... Well, what do you think about the value of children having a stay-at-home mum? Oh, 10 out of 10. Like, I think that it's it's good to have someone that is available. Um, it doesn't necessarily, I guess, have to be a stay-at-home parent. If you have a grandparent that can help you out with babysitting, if you have to work, then that's great because expanding those uh I guess, mentors to other people as well is is very important. Um, but I think if you have the means and the ability to be a stay-at-home parent, definitely, like, do it. Yeah, I love that. And so you said you had this kind of, this view of, of parenting or this knowledge of parenting 
that was really different to then finding out about this gentle parenting world and this baby wearing world. Uh, and it was quite a shift. I, I'd love to know maybe for anyone that is currently where you were before at the start, what, what, what are the main things that you have learned about the value of gentle parenting? Like what, what are the main things that really resonated with you that you thought, yeah, like I'm going to do that. That makes sense. Uh, I carry a lot of childhood trauma and so does my husband. Uh, he wouldn't admit it, um, but it's it's there and it's evident in a lot of things. And we didn't want to pass that on to our kids. Uh, we wanted them to grow up knowing that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to, you know, have these big emotions and to express them. Being boys, they, you know, society tells them boys don't cry, you know, boys don't don't do that sort of thing but my boys cry and I love it I think it's great I love that they uh, feel free and um, supported enough to express their emotions in a healthy way yeah that's so beautiful so it was the awareness that perhaps you know the authoritarian style parenting um, can contribute to you know childhood trauma and, and and then as an adult you have to kind of fix that or deal with that and you wanted something different. So it was sort of like, that was your why, that was your inspiration to want to put in the effort, do it differently. Because it it is effort to have knee-jerk responses that perhaps were handed down to you and then to choose to do it differently. Like maybe if you were told, don't cry, you'll probably have a blueprint that says, don't cry. And to have the mindfulness to that and to say, okay, I'm not going to say don't cry, I'm going to encourage that and I'm going to hold space for something, even though people didn't hold space for me. I mean, that takes a lot of work. Did you find it hard to, to do it a different way? Was that hard for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially like you said, holding space. I find that so difficult to do, especially when I can feel my own emotions rising up, even though I know none of what is happening is relevant to me half the time. Um, it's just, you know, something's happened or... Uh, you know, it's been a snowball of effect. And then the one thing that makes them upset isn't actually upsetting them. It was something that happened, you know, five things ago. Um, and yeah, it's very hard to break out of that and try and, you know, it's hard to think of the strategies as well. That's why it's good to have a community of people that you can turn to and say, you know, this is happening how would you handle it or can you give me some ideas or is there any articles that I can read that are um, pointing me in the direction of is this age-appropriate behaviour for my child? I love that and so it's sort of been finding that um, attachment parenting community that you can ask them for advice like they become the village rather than going to I think previously we probably would have asked our parents and it's like now there's the internet we can find like-minded people with similar values so it's kind of creating um a village around you or finding a village that, that shares the same goals around you know having children that don't have to recover from their childhood trying to parent in a way that reduces the amount of trauma um, that they have trying to have children with secure attachment it's finding that community and then being able to ask them that that has sort of enabled you to be able to try to break the cycle is that right yeah definitely and it's it's I guess, comforting to know if other people are going through similar things. Totally, totally. And so, you know, I totally, um, I relate as being like a cycle breaker and it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of inner work and self-awareness. Um, 
And I'm wondering for you, what makes that work worth it? Like ultimately on the days when it's hard to hold space, you find a way to do it. Um, why? Like, why is that worth it to you? Um, I guess the outcome is that seeing, like seeing, I got quite upset the other day. Um, I have put too much on my plate at the moment and I was having a moment to myself. My son got very upset that he was being separated from me because I just needed some space. And then my other son actually came up to him and said, are you okay? Do you need a cuddle? You know, do you want to talk about it? All these things. And he's seven and a half. And it just amazed me how beautiful these little people can be if we just give them the nurturing and the time and the space to be those people. That's so beautiful. And that kind of leads me into my next question, which is what, what has been like, and maybe that's the answer, but there might be another answer. I'll ask it anyway. It's okay to say answer. But what has been the most rewarding part um, for you when it comes to gentle parenting? What has made it the most, what's been the most rewarding part of it? Um, yeah, probably that. And also just the fact that my kids feel really comfortable to talk to adults in a social setting or if they need to, they feel very comfortable. They don't feel like they're going to immediately get into trouble um just by you know uttering a word we were always told not to speak when we were kids but they feel very confident and comfortable having a holding a full conversation um with other adults and asking them for help if they need to and all those sorts of things oh that sounds so empowering and so I'd love to hear a little bit more about um becoming a surrogate what you know how was that journey for you you want to tell us a little bit about that um so my decision to become a surrogate uh, came about when my sister was diagnosed with a condition called MRKH which means she was born with ovaries but no uh, uterus and she didn't even have a like internal vagina either um so when she was diagnosed with that, I made the offhand comment of, oh, I'll, I'll have a baby for you um, when I was, I think, about nine years old. Um, and then uh, it got to a point after I had my two boys that I decided that I wanted to pursue it, um, like, seriously. So I waited until I was 25, which is the legal age in South Australia, to do it. And then I thought about what sort of people that I wanted to uh, go on the journey with. Um, and we decided that we wanted to do someone that was local to us. Um, you can do interstate journeys, but we decided that in terms of our kids being so young and us wanting to be there for them, it was a lot easier to have someone close. Uh, and then I went on to Facebook and I found this a uh, lady who's the same age as me and had the same condition as my sister um, and they had already made embryos as well uh, and then it turned out that my husband and I went to school with her husband um, and so we knew his son from previous marriage and then there was just a whole bunch of connections and intertwining of our lives which was very cool and then yeah I, we just made the decision that it was going to be them and you know away we went 
Wow. So they have, so she has ovaries so she could make her own eggs so they can yeah. take eggs and make embryos. And, and, you know, how was that journey for you? Like, like so he's given birth to a baby and, um, is that is that difficult? I don't know if I'm asking the wrong questions. There's probably I, I'm not across the surrogate thing, and I know in every area there's certain questions you're not supposed to ask. Like when I became pregnant, I became aware of what you're not meant to ask a pregnant person, and then when or pregnant mother, and then when I became mother, I became, I'm sorry if I'm asking the wrong questions when it comes to surrogacy. But I, I guess I'm curious as someone who's given birth to own children, did it feel like a different experience giving birth to something that wasn't me? out of your own egg or was it kind of like yeah um we had a home birth which was very cool um and uh we have a very close relationship with them now um so when you go into surrogacy you have to do counseling um so you make sure that you're in the right mindset to be able to do it um, history of uh, like depression and anxiety and stuff is fine as long as you know your triggers and you understand that it could come up again. Um, we so we did all the counselling uh, them as a couple, us as a couple, and then we did it all together as well. Um, and then you basically get asked a bunch of questions um, about your compatibility. So like, what's your stance on termination and you know, what's your ideas around the birth and that kind of thing. Um, and then you have to sign an agreement that is written up by a lawyer. Um, so we both had a, our own lawyer um, and they just explain all the legal side of it. Um, and then, yeah, it's quite an emotional journey. Uh, she, so yeah, she just turned one this week, which was very cool for us. And um, I guess going into it, we knew that it was basically like extended babysitting. Uh, you, you get this little embryo and you take care of it for nine months and then you hand them off to their parents um, when they're ready. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Thanks for sharing that. It's really um, interesting. And I think what a beautiful gift to give someone um, that, that has um, the MK. I've forgotten the whole, all the letters. Yeah. M-R-K-H. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like turning something impossible to something that's possible. So it's really beautiful. I'm just flicking it a little bit back to the gentle parenting now. I'm curious, um, for someone that has seen both kind of mainstream and gentle, if there was someone over on the mainstream side and they were, you know, struggling in early motherhood, and what advice would you give to them if they haven't yet found out about gentle parenting? What would you say? Um, my first point of, I guess, uh, reference is the fourth trimester. Um, always looking at what the fourth trimester means for you as a mother and also for the baby. Um, you know, they don't know the big wide world. And then that usually leads into the conversation about baby rearing which uh, obviously, yeah, super passionate about. Um, and then I think it also extends to, you know, like sleeping and all of that kind of stuff. If you're looking at the fourth trimester and you're looking at your baby sleeping in their own sleep space, it's not really going to make sense to anybody. Um, 
so yeah I, I usually start with that and then it kind of leads people down a bit of a rabbit hole of what the fourth trimester means and how you can make it as easy as possible. Awesome. And so when you say that you're a baby wearing advocate, what does that involve? Does that involve you, you tell people about it on social media or you go to meetups or you just, you know, like, what does that mean to you? Uh, I help run two groups on Facebook. Um, one is for our like uh, Adelaide as a whole. And then one is for the South, which is where I'm located. Um, we have uh, a library, a lending library. So I'll help people um, get the right fit, figure out what might work best for them and help them to, I guess, try carriers before they buy them because sometimes they are expensive and sometimes you don't want to buy something that you're not sure that you're going to love. Um, and then, yeah, it also means like uh, helping in the online forum as well of helping people find what could work for them and I guess just advocating for all the babies to be worn yeah I love that and so for anyone listening can they join your Facebook group uh, so if you're located in South Australia you can join the Adelaide baby wearers page um, and then if you are from Adelaide pretty much down to uh, Victor Harbour and beyond you can join the baby wearing southern suburbs of Adelaide group where we have a free lending library. So it's like no fee attached and you can borrow carriers or you can come and see me and I will help you find a carrier that works. That's incredible. I um, I originally had a hug above and then I got into the toolers and then I love the toolers. They just really worked for me because I could adjust them. I could have the, my babies fall asleep and then I could like put a little hunch over onto the bed and then unbuckle and have the baby come onto the bed easily. And I'm like, unbuckle them and have them lying on the, the tool. I found transitioning um, the sleep really easy with the toolers and just the adjustability was great. And I also had a um, sling. Uh, I think that's what they're called. Like a ring sling? Ring sling, yeah, for a while. Yeah. And that was really fancy, lovely colours. And, like, yeah, it was really beautiful. But, yeah, there definitely is... Um, a trick to it for sure and definitely different different carriers to different kids I baby wore my first uh, up until she was around two very regularly she was a very high like needs baby uh, my second one only until she was about one she then really loved the pram and was like um yeah far more you just said more chilled temperament um but how well how long did you do your baby wearing for uh my seven and a half year old still goes up sometimes way. Um, yeah like on your back um yeah my husband usually wears him because he's stronger um but my husband prefers a woven wrap so he's just perfected that um he wore our son when he was one day old in a woven wrap because we had to go to the shops we didn't have anything at home ready <laughs> Wow, that always looked way too complicated for me. People were doing all sorts of ties and knots and back carries and I was like, you need a degree to be able to do that. I was like, I'm just going to clip on the tool art. So that's incredible. So you're right. You're right into all the knowledge of it all. Um, yeah. Well, that's like how it, it originally was, wasn't it? Like if you, there's still some cultures where they're all tying their babies up and all around themselves and carrying on with it. Um, yeah. It was such a lifesaver in the first 
you know, a couple of years, just I would um, breastfeed while they were in the carrier and they would sleep in there. It was just, um, yeah, for anyone that hasn't tried baby wearing, it just saves your life, especially once you've got more than one kid. <laughs> the evenings, people are like, what do you do? You're like, you just baby wear one, you carry on with the other. And you <laughs> Did you do like yep. a front carry and back carry at the same time? Yeah, yeah. My boys are only 19 months apart. So um, lots of pregnant baby wearing and then tandem baby wearing. And um, yeah, it's good fun. That's incredible. I love that. Um, so I would just love to know now, you've touched on it a little bit, but it, what, what would you say has been the most challenging part of motherhood, becoming a mum? Um. probably yeah just the lack of a village like if 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 we could all just live in a commune <laughs> that would be amazing um but yeah and the isolation of being a mum as well you know nobody's ever gonna call a mum up and just be like oh hey are you home because you don't want to disturb someone with their baby um but in actual fact, a lot of the mothers that I know would absolutely love that. They would love to just have someone drop in, have a cuppa, have a chat, just to talk to someone that isn't going to babble back at them and, you know, just be completely dependent on them. Um, you know, if you're going to visit a new mum, you know, offer to do some washing, offer to do some dishes, make her a meal as well. That was one thing that really stuck with me when I had my first baby. One of my girlfriends that I'd known since I was born, um, she came over and she cooked for me and held my baby and did all those things. And I just thought she was incredible. That's really beautiful. Um, and I would also love to know, when you first became a mum, you were sort of going down one path when it came to parenting. Where did that information come from? Like what did inform how you initially were parenting? Uh, we did have a niece at the time, um, which we would take care of sometimes, and they just sort of gave us her schedule and all that kind of stuff. Um, but she was formula fed from birth, and I knew that I wanted to give breastfeeding a go. Um, so we sort of learnt a little bit from there. Uh, my sister is a midwife, so we learnt a little bit from her as well. Um, and then... It just sort of all came in bits and pieces. You know, you watch a TV show and you see what they do on those and then your parents give you some advice. It may not be very good. It may be great, but who knows? Um, and then you just try try things. It's yeah. all just trial and error. It is. I feel like, you know, we really need, um, while we're either pregnant or um, at school or somewhere, you know, a parenting class, that presents all the different options and it talks about safe bed sharing and it talks about baby wearing and it talks about you know brain development and all this sort of stuff um before because I think a lot of women that eventually come to gentle parenting it's sort of like they had to dig out and find the information that was hidden away it was you know it was it was hard for them to find um the information to support often what what their instincts were telling them um yeah do you feel like you would have benefited from a bit more education beforehand Definitely. Um, even now, I will go to op shops and I'll find, you know, these amazing books and they are, you know, I've heard them being mentioned in the pages on Facebook and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll buy them for, you know, it doesn't even cost much. It's like $2. And then it's just a wealth of information. Um, 
yeah and I'll often gift people those sorts of books as well when they're having a baby like the um, baby that I had recently I gifted them uh, Raising Girls by Steve Bidoff and he read it and he was like this is just you know there's there's so many good bits of information in here and he was so excited he asked me to read the Raising Boys ones and he's also asked for the other ones as well um, but yeah I think if you come at it from a place of no knowledge it's just it's so tricky and yeah if, if you can do a class that's the best thing but sometimes you don't resonate with all the information or they just focus on the wrong things like how to change a nappy which I'm sure most parents just work it out or you watch a midwife do it and then you know away you go yeah yeah so true I had never changed a nappy before I had a baby <laughs> and I just was like how hard can it be um figured it out as I went and since midwife they're usually if you're giving birth is either a midwife or a doula someone will be able to show you how to do the first one um is there anything that I haven't asked you about motherhood that you that you felt you really wanted to say today is there any question I haven't asked that you're like I haven't surprised you haven't spoken about that I wanted to say something on that um I guess also that we you know we're mothers and we worry but a lot of the stuff you don't have to worry as much about as you do. Um, I put a lot of stock into worrying about how my first would react to my second when he was born. And for a while there, he just didn't care. <laughs> he was like, cool, there's another person living in our house. Um, yeah, I think a, a lot of stuff you just have to let go and trust that things are going to work out um, and trust your instincts a lot more than you do. Yeah, I think um, every single person I've spoken to so far has said, trust yourself Yeah, trust yourself a lot more. So it seems to be uh, a common theme from all the mums that have lent their instinct. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on today. I've really appreciated your insights and for sharing and, um, yeah, being open so that other people can learn from your journey and even the insight into surrogacy, I think. It's really interesting because um, a lot of us don't know much about it all. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. There's um, a lot of information out there as well. And if anyone wants to learn more about it, it's, it's definitely out there. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to talk. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining for another episode of Love with Elise Peck. If you happen to be listening along and you have some questions that you would love answered or that you wish I would ask guests, please feel free to email me at hello at elisepeck.com. And also, if you'd like to find out more about me, your host, Elise, you can head to elisepeck.com. And there's a blog, there's the podcast episodes, there's season one podcast episodes. Um, there's also support for responsive mamas available there and much more. All right. Looking forward to connecting with you on another episode of Love with Elise Peck very soon. Bye for now.